Social Ventures Australia brings you this podcast from the SVA Quarterly, the leading management publication for the social sector in Australia. Since transforming from service delivery organisation to catalytic funder, 1020 Foundation has been on a steep learning curve. 1020's founding CEO, now Managing Director Seri Rankin, and Executive Director Caroline Chernoff share 1020's journey and what they've learned about funding collective impact initiatives to bring about systems change. 1020 Foundation has its roots in Melbourne-based non-profit Gordon Care, which for 125 years provided child protection services for disadvantaged children and young people. By 2012, it had suffered the classic funding challenges. It was reliant on limited government contracts and lacked funding for capacity building. And it was increasingly aware that existing responses to child vulnerability were not addressing the root causes of the problems. Its work was a band-aid at best. Realising that the organisation was no longer sustainable, the board decided to cease service delivery and instead focus on funding prevention to stop children ending up in the child protection system. They brought on Seri Rankin as CEO. Her initial priority was to liquidate assets, wind up affairs and restructure the organisation as a funder. Caroline Chernov soon joined Rankin to assist in developing and implementing the new organisation's strategy. So how did the organisation make the bold move to become a catalytic funder to bring diverse stakeholders together to think differently in solving the complex social issues? How did it come to focus on system change by convening and supporting collective impact initiatives? From earlier experience in the sector, both Rankin and Chenov knew this was a rare opportunity to break away from traditional funding models and a chance to take a systems approach to social change. Chernov says, we were committed to systems change and understood that the complexity involved in making that change would require a new funding approach. Rankin adds that they believed the organisation could do better with the limited resources it had by working differently. She says, this meant testing new investment approaches, including not only what we funded, collective initiatives or individual organisations, but how we did it and over what time frame. With their joint experience, including at SVA in Venture Philanthropy and at Children's Ground, they were convinced that community-led, place-based initiatives were most effective in addressing the complex issues that lead to intergenerational disadvantage, and that the collective impact model was worth exploring in an Australian context. Most importantly, for the system change they sought, they wanted to fund different initiatives that could learn from each other, to find common themes and approaches to start to influence the larger ecosystem, scaling the new learning for impact. And why the focus on early childhood? Rankin says, we know that what we do for children in the early years is long lasting. By April 2013, Gordon Care had liquidated its assets and 1020 was established to catalyse, convene and support community-led collective impact efforts. The name 1020 was a play on their vision to invest in and scale up new approaches in up to 20 communities over 10 years. Rankin says that funding was to be catalytic and finite. They gave themselves 10 years to spend down the assets. To support the organisation's transition into a new role, Rankin and Chernov talked with numerous communities, as well as other funders, researchers, NGOs and intermediaries in the early childhood area. 
Jennif says we spent a lot of time scanning the environment, not just a theoretical scan, but visiting and listening to communities. They heard from the communities that the funding they needed was primarily for the backbone and coordinating leadership to drive new ways of working across different stakeholders and to undertake the local reorganisation required for collective effort. To better understand what was and wasn't working in the collective impact approach, the pair explored collective impact initiatives in Australia, particularly through the search and internationally, for example, Magnolia Place. And to better appreciate the funding ecosystem for activities such as community engagement and development of child and family agency, they spent time with intermediaries such as the Australian Centre for Social Innovation. Chernoff says that informed us as a national funder how to support communities and that we needed to find local partners with the community engagement and mobilisation piece. With a focus on community-led early childhood initiatives, Rankin says that 1020 realised it needed to convene a new conversation with communities and other organisational partners and stakeholders about how resources could be better aligned to shared outcomes for children. That led to the incubation of a national initiative that could link to work on the ground and act as a neutral coordinator of learning and change, separate from funding bodies and other agencies with a direct service delivery purpose. Woodside Development Fund, the philanthropic arm of oil and gas company Woodside, was advocating for the same kind of systems change in early childhood development. The ensuing partnership helped 1020 develop its starting point. In 2014, 1020, along with its key partners, launched Opportunity Child, a collective of communities and national organisations using a collective impact approach to bring about systems change to, quote, significantly improve outcomes for children in Australia. 1020 committed $10 million over 10 years to the national initiative, which targets the 65,000 children who start school each year with big challenges in learning and in life. The collective is currently based on six partner communities supported by eight national organisations from the non-profit, business and philanthropic worlds. Woodside provides funds to the Opportunity Child Initiative in WA and has contributed significant funding to the national team. One of the first actions when 1020 partnered with Woodside was to work with the communities and a group of research organisations including Murdoch, Australian Research Alliance for Children and Youth, Centre for Social Impact and Telethon Kids, to devise one shared outcomes model for early childhood. They had been about to fund separate and duplicating research efforts. Opportunity Child came up with the goal to reduce Australia's child vulnerability for 0 to 8-year-old children from 22 to 15% as per the Australian Early Development Census. Rankin says this goal was agreed with the communities and is part of Opportunity Child's alignment to the RSC NEST national goal. It's an inspirational goal to align partners and communities to tangible results. The shared outcomes model is then tested within and tailored for the local communities, aligning local efforts with national results. Rankin says the knowledge that is gathered through local measurement and then shared and aggregated nationally allows communities to demonstrate what works in more collaborative service delivery, to adapt what they're doing for better results, and to stop doing things that waste time and effort. 
All opportunity child communities, though they are at various stages of the process, are collecting data to identify the exact number of children who are vulnerable and to directly focus on these children. In addition to funding the national team to provide support, learning and evaluation across partner communities, 1020 has also provided five-year discretionary grants to assist local backbone infrastructure and leadership. Its first investment approach was to run an invitation-only application process. However, it it now has a framework which enables it to co-design investment with the Opportunity Child communities that it has close relationships with and that meet the investment criteria. Each community must demonstrate the capacity, commitment and appetite to align to shared goals, participate in a learning system, create collective action and exert influence both locally and nationally. In practice, this has involved capacity building fund grants of up to $100,000 to qualifying partner communities. These grants are made annually and involve regular engagement with communities about how they are tracking in their efforts. Rankin says a second funding pool, the Rapid Response Fund, is still a work in progress. This fund enables quick action by 1020 to address unexpected challenges arising in partner communities. Qualifying communities can access up to $25,000 to support resolution of issues that otherwise could sideline progress, whether they're governance, strategic planning or loss of staff in the backbone. According to Rankin, this approach aims to create a sustainable pool of funding by providing other funders a lower risk model in which to contribute to solving childhood vulnerability. Lessons about being a catalytic funder. On this journey, Rankin and Chenov identify a number of learnings from their work. Number one, changing the conversation is hard work. Attempting to affect systems change is hard work as you're driving behavior and organizational change. Rankin says initially being a catalytic funder meant convening different conversations, daring to ask different questions and looking for ways to bring diverse stakeholders together to think differently in solving the complicated social issues in new ways. To change the way the system works, you need to change practices and mindsets at every level, individual, organisational, in the local community and policy and government. It takes catalytic organisations and catalytic people, she says. For the first 18 months, all I did was talk to other CEOs. The responses were, gosh, that's ambitious. Yes, we should all be doing that, but how are you going to do it? It's impossible. Chenov confirms that you have to have these conversations no matter how uncomfortable they are. Any organisation needs to understand where its organisational strategy interfaces into the collective. You may be constrained by brand or vested interest in service programme delivery, so it can be a difficult thing to do, she says. Rankin points out that it doesn't have to be philanthropists who do this, but, she says, we are uniquely placed because of our neutrality. Community is not threatened by us in the way they may be with service delivery organisations or government. Number two, listen to community. Initially, 1020 leapt into one community relationship with a preconceived view of what the community needed to be able to work more collectively, particularly around digital platforms. The relationship subsequently failed. Rankin reflects, we failed to appropriately listen and understand where that community was at. As funders, we let that community and ourselves down. We're grateful to them for respecting our learning ground and being the guinea pig. It was a critical experience for us. 
As Opportunity Child got underway, being close to the communities enabled it to respond appropriately to build capacity by sharing, codifying and disseminating knowledge. Rankin says, We discovered that communities were ready to think creatively about how the funds could be better allocated across the communities on things they were all doing and duplicating. Mechanisms include regular peer-to-peer meetings of community leaders on Skype, usually based around a knowledge theme, coaching and mentoring by practice experts working in the field to support practitioners to better drive collective impact. And once or twice a year, the whole community gathers for two to three days for intensive co-design, sharing and networking. Rankin says, as well as codifying and disseminating knowledge, these gatherings are also movement building and create a narrative about what they are collectively achieving and doing. Number three, build local ownership and sustainability. 1020 has also learned how to better support the local community to lead. In 2013, during the incubation stage of the Mount Druitt Initiative in Western Sydney, 1020 played the roles of both funder and backbone organisation. Rankin says, we soon realised that we were best placed to leverage our funds to bring government funding in to build local capacity. United Way Australia now provides the backbone function for the community initiative with the partnership between 1020, United Way Australia and the New South Wales Department of Family and Community Services. She says, through this experience, we realise that we can catalyse backbone infrastructure, but it's important for us to exit and let local people and organisations, the local stakeholders, step in and lead their change. Knowing when to exit in early stages is a critical success factor in building local ownership and sustainability. Number four, leveraging their investment. As a small entity with limited funds, Chernov also emphasises the importance of maximising their investment by leveraging funding from other players. She says a good example is Logan Together, the Queensland urban community, where we leveraged our seed funding at a ratio of 1 to 20, which really gave them the platform they needed. Logan Together was looking for philanthropic funding for its backbone organisation. 1020 committed $100,000 per annum for five years. This led to a significant commitment from the Queensland and federal governments, as well as other philanthropists such as the Dusseldorp Foundation. Chernov says that in working more closely together in Logan, philanthropists and government have started to develop a collective understanding of how they can better align processes and reporting to the shared outcomes in Logan. She says they have also built on the learnings to improve service commissioning and funding access for collective impact work more broadly. She says, over time, as Opportunity Child demonstrates progress and impact, 1020 hopes other social investors will be prepared to match its funds to align and contribute to achieving the shared goals for children. Number five, the capacity building required is the same no matter the social issue. After four years as funders, Chenov says we are realising that the capacity building required to create the conditions for system change are actually the same no matter what the social issue We are all asking the same strategic question, whether we're working in early childhood or juvenile justice. How can we scale up the new funding models that are critical to enable others to engage? She says that's why we are collaborating with a broader range of funders. Also, funding place-based systems change has revealed the importance of a local funding infrastructure that has a strong relationship to community and community's needs. Number six, the role of philanthropy in terms of influence and advocacy. 
Experience has distilled their understanding of the way philanthropists need to work with other philanthropists and with government and business. Chenov says this underscores our interest in finding places or spaces where we can work with others in the system. One funder alone is not going to get the system change needed, so it's really important that we work nationally and locally with the other voices around us. We see a role for a small group of funders to codify and disseminate the shared knowledge to influence funding policy that will create the conditions for communities to lead local innovation. 1020 is currently working closely with a small group of catalytic philanthropic funders and the federal government to explore new forms of aligned funding and support to those communities with high potential to generate long-term change for children. Both Rankin and Chernov believe that these public and private partnerships can initiate and be a catalyst for the collective funding required to achieve sustainable change in communities undertaking these collective initiatives. And what's next for 1020? As well as funding local initiatives, 1020 is addressing the broader systems change by working with US nonprofit Harwood Institute of Public Innovation. Together, they are looking at best practice in creating funding conditions to enable collective impact. They have developed a funder roadmap which allows communities to pinpoint what life stage they are at, and even whether they are collective impact ready. It also enables funders to start conversations with communities about how they can support local efforts. Chernoff says, we continue to fund and support conditions for local collective impact work, and in addition are placing increasing emphasis on partnering with other funders for knowledge capture and system shift around funding conditions. Rankin affirms, Our greatest learning is that catalytic philanthropy must continue to play a role in seeding the conditions and capacity for early childhood systems change. So, we continue to support Opportunity Child and remain focused on addressing the broader funding barriers that prohibit rather than advance these emerging community initiatives in Australia. Related podcasts and articles can be found on the SVA Quarterly site, www.socialventures.com.au forward slash SVA hyphen quarterly forward slash.